G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast of course. Uh, a nice little win there and breaking the Tassie hoodoo for the Crows this weekend. So without any further ado, let's get straight in and talk about it, shall we? Good evening and welcome to the weekend wrap this fine Sunday evening, the 26th of June. Um, welcome everyone who's joined us on Discord and also on YouTube. Um, hopefully we have a nice short, sharp show tonight because <laughs> there's not a huge amount to take out of that game. Unfortunately at the moment it's just me. Uh, Macca hasn't shown up, uh, so uh, hopefully Mac's all right um, and shows up shortly, but uh uh, in the meantime, of course, we are live and interactive, so if you would like to hop on and have your say during the course of the evening, uh, please raise your hand in the Discord chat if you're there, and uh, I'll be happy to bring you on board. Um, yeah, so look, I think we won't uh, wait around, we'll just get straight into Macca's weekend results, shall we? Alrighty, so an interesting round of football uh, this week. Um, not a lot. Um, many of the games. Melbourne, uh, 16-21, uh, a powerful victory over the Lions by 64 points, 7-11-53. Um, that, to me, was a real statement by Melbourne. Uh, they've been just going over the last few weeks and they've had a couple of losses Lions have come up as their their main contender, but the D's absolutely destroyed them after quarter time and really stamped their authority not only on the game but on the competition, I think. And it was a, a welcome return to form for the D's, and I'm sure they would have been happy with that result. Uh, we had the Bulldogs 19-11-125, 42-point winners over the Hawks 12-11-83, um, you know, I mean, the Hawks stuck around, but uh, Bulldogs just too much class in the end, um, and that uh, got them over the line fairly comfortably. Uh, the West Coast Eagles breaking their 9,348-day hoodoo, uh, getting up over the hapless Bombers, the Eagles 16-11-107, 10-point winners over Essendon 14-13-97. Uh, we had Carlton, a strong performance and uh, a good win by them over an informed Fremantle. Uh, Carlton 12-9, 81, 30, 31 points in the end over the Dockers 7-8, 50. Uh, Dockers just having an off game, I think. They're still around the mark. Uh, a good game this one. The Cats 13-11, 89 in the end. Three-point winners over a fast-finishing Richmond 13-8. 86. Uh, Richmond probably just gave them too much of a head start um, and uh, couldn't get over the line in the end. Just uh, Shy Bolton, uh, probably the player of the competition at the moment, uh, just electric. Um, but unfortunately, not much else happening up forward for for Richmond. Uh, 
Sydney, 12-11-83, 51 points over St Kilda, 4-8-32. And as we mentioned last week, St Kilda just going into that dip of form that uh, they seem to go through whenever they start contending. And that would have been a terribly disappointing result for that club um, going down by 51 points over a team that they're fighting for a place in the eight with and uh, at the moment not looking like at St Kilda. Uh, Collingwood um, holding off a fast finishing GWS 11-22-88, 11 points in the end over the Giants 12-5-77 and uh, the late game uh, another fast finishing uh, failure by the Suns, uh, the Port Power getting over the Suns by two points in the end, 13-15-93 to the Suns, 13-13-91. So Port keeping their hopes of jagging a final spot uh, alive and uh, with St Kilda showing the form that they are at the moment, uh, there might be one or two vacancies in that eight uh, over the coming weeks. Uh, if we have a look at the table... It's all of a sudden got very interesting in the top half of the table. We have Melbourne, uh, rightly so, uh, 44 points outright at first position. Uh, And then we've got a procession on 40. Geelong, Brisbane and Fremantle in the top four. Uh, Carlton just outside the top four on percentage. Got the Swans and Magpies who are travelling nicely at the moment on 36 points. Um, And then in the eight on 32 points, Western Bulldogs out of the eight on 32 points. Richmond and St Kilda. Um, yeah, so Collingwood making any every post a winner at the moment, uh, in the eight at the moment, and Western Bulldogs uh, rejoining the eight. Uh, we've got the Gold Coast Suns and Port on 28 points, uh, showing how crucial uh, that match was this afternoon and also how evenly placed those two teams are at the moment. Adelaide on 20 points, GWS and Hawthorne on 16 GWS would be disappointed with their standing at the moment. There's a lot of class in that team and uh, uh, not quite sure why they why they seem to have tailed off so much. Uh, Essendon disappointing on 12. West Coast getting off the bottom on 8. And North Melbourne, um, I reckon, and I'd love to know what people think in the chat, I reckon half of the SANFL would beat North Melbourne at the moment. They are absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, unfortunately, I think they've probably got grounds for a priority pick. I think the AFL will uh, decide that in the interest of the competition, they need to give North Melbourne a priority pick. And, uh, of course, you know, that always happens when we're down there fighting for, for high draft picks as well. So I, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if North Melbourne got a priority pick. Uh, maybe end of first round or mid first round. Um, <laughs> Fadi in the chat saying they need a lobotomy, not more picks. I agree with you, mate. They uh, there's something going on there. They they don't look like it at the moment, and they simply haven't got the talent. Um, they don't have the talent. Fundamental errors. They try hard, but they just turn the ball over. And uh, I mean, I haven't really looked too hard at North before today. Um, but uh, gee whiz I didn't think we played all that great but uh, North played terribly so okay 
So that was the tail of the tape for round 15. Uh, still no Macca, unfortunately, so uh, if anyone wants to hop on, uh, feel free to do so. Um, always happy to have people on, um, and we've got a bit of space, obviously, with none of the other casters around right now. But in the interim, why don't we just get straight into... Um, the Adelaide game, and it was Adelaide 17 13 115, 57 point winners in the end over North 8 10 58. Um, and uh, look, it was good in the end. Um, I, there were some obvious pleasing signs up forward with Tex, and particularly Darcy Fogarty um, up forward, dragging most of our goals. Um, some good efforts from our youngsters like Jake Saligo. Um, who I thought was very good today um, and our, our back was solid but let's be honest um, not a lot of opposition from North Melbourne I expected it to be a tougher game I thought North would probably come into this game seeing it as an opportunity to win one um, I don't think we've won in Tasmania for about seven or eight years um, so North would have seen it as a winnable game and for them to serve up what they served up was pretty disappointing for them, but good for us. Um, and uh, it was nice to see um, a little bit of a shake up in terms of the lineup and uh, a few boats back in that probably should have been in uh, earlier. Um, and whilst none of the ends really shone to a great degree, um, I think the team looked a lot better balanced um, overall than it has done over the previous few weeks. Now, I've got Mick, who wants to come on. So come on, Mick. You can save me from this lonely stage. <laughs> How you going, mate? Yeah, good. Can you hear me not? Yeah, gotcha, mate. How you going? Yeah, good, good. What you got for me? Well, I just thought you sounded very lonely, so I thought I'd jump <laughs> on until... <laughs> Uh, what do you think of the game, mate? Well, I'm going to be finished watching it for the second time. And um, I thought Fogarty played really well. Very well, yep. And I'm hoping they keep Jones in. Now, Hamill's out. He'll be out for a couple of weeks with concussion because they'll take it pretty easy with him. Yep. Um, I think our midfield worked better without... Um, 38 handballs to someone's ankles. <laughs> Look, I agree with you. Yeah. Everyone uh, knows who I was talking about with that one, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, Matty Crouch had 4,000 possessions in the twos. Um, and, but I hope that the, I hope that um, his omission this week is a bit of a signal that maybe we've done our dash with Matt um, because... You know, he got he got disposals in the A's. Um, nothing much changes with Crouchy's game, really. So whether he's playing in the ones mm. or the twos, he's going to rack up positive. So you know what you're going to get, and I'm therefore hopeful that selection or the non-selection well, I, of Matt sort of signals a bit of a change. Well, I did comment on one of the Facebook groups that were complaining that you know, Matt Crouch should still be in the team because he got 42 disposals. But as I commented that 42 Matt Crouch disposals would have been equal to about 100 metres gained <laughs> yeah, and probably right. about five uh, five injuries to other players that he handballed, you know, gave up hospital hand passes to. 
Excuse me, you'll get you'll get banned from Facebook saying shit like that. They don't like that sort of. They don't like that sort of talk in the Adelaide Crows Facebook groups. <laughs> I, I, I did get a lot of comments. <laughs> uh, they love their uh, lovely boys on, on Facebook. But look, I think we looked a little bit dynamic. Uh, obviously, we had Lockie Murphy admitted, Maddie Crouch admitted, Riley Thilthorpe out injured, and they brought in Chase on the bench, Harry Schomburg and Mitch Hinge. Oh, I thought Mitch Hinge was unlucky to be dropped in the first place. I don't know what that was all about. Um, and I thought we I lined up great. a lot better. Um, the only thing that I would say about the general um, team positioning and all the rest of it is I thought I just thought it was a wasted opportunity um, for to get Geordie Dawson up the ground. I mean, he just racked up getting the ball across half-back and it was all too easy for him. But I just felt like we could have taken the opportunity to... I mean, we had Duday and Hinge down back who can both intercept Mark. And I just I just would have liked to have seen Geordie Dawson play out the ground a little bit more. Yeah, I think that in this, in this particular case, I think they were, you know, they know what Geordie can do. Maybe they were trying to see what some of the younger ones could do in those positions because there was... Um, it was good to see there was a lot more... Um, responsibility on some of our less experienced players. I dare say, you know, just because we're playing north where most amateur leads could probably, you know, sides could probably beat them at the moment. Oh, yeah. At least it gave them, you know, a, a bit more responsibility, I thought, in my eyes, anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, Geordie was named on the wing, um, but to my eye, played most across half back. Um, I mean, I've, I haven't seen the centre bounce attendances yet, so I don't know exactly how many um, centre bounces Hately and uh, Shuey and, and those blokes sort of had, uh, got in on. The Benny Keys and Rory Laird were obviously mainstays in the midfield. Um, Shuey, I think, warmed to his task as the game wore on and probably is better for the run. Um Probably the only... If I was going to uh, throw any brickbats at all, Brody Smith looks really out of sorts at the moment. Um, Ned McHenry, I think... Nettie McHenry may be a little bit like Matty Crouch, Mick, in that um, we know what we're going to get from Ned. Uh, we're not going to get much oh, more out of him. him. I won't put him in the, the match, Matty Crouch's uh, category because... He's a hell of a lot more... Well, he can run for a start. Oh, yeah. Um, I meant in terms of ceiling. Yeah, yeah, I I do. I mean, I think... I wouldn't mind seeing Newchurch come in for a run. I think it's over way past you. Um, So whether you drop Ned and move someone up there, because I think his knee might be giving him issues today anyway. He come off the ground at least once with his knee. Yeah. And looks yeah. like there's a fair bit of strapping on it, so maybe it wouldn't yeah. hurt him to rest for a week or two and uh, get but, a new church to run. I mean, here's the, here's the short-sightedness of that selection, though. We've got Melbourne next week, and uh, you wouldn't want to bring in new church against Melbourne. It would have been better to give Nettie the week off if he had a twinge in his knee and uh, give Tariq a run against the, the cellar dwellers. So, 
again, maybe an opportunity lost there um, because I think they're probably more likely if Nebuch Henry doesn't come up or if they decide to drop him. We're probably looking at more of a Cook type, I think, rather than a new church. Well, I still wouldn't. I don't think that's a downgrade. Oh, definitely not. Definitely good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I think we do, you, you, you're right in one way. We need to do, I think we do need to work out something else a bit different on our wings because it seems to be um, our half forwards that spend half, you know, two thirds of their time up there. And yeah. while they do have good delivery coming into the 50, it, it lessens the uh, the pressure we have in our 50s if they're not, if they're not in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few people in the chat saying it doesn't matter. Uh, AFL is AFL and New Church should just play. I think that's a little bit short-sighted in this case because um, I don't think Tariq has been banging down the door and uh, I don't know whether you want to set a kid he up and well fail. He played very well this week. Yeah, I, I just don't know whether you want to set a kid up to fail. I don't know whether Melbourne is the game that you want to debut a kid like that. I mean, look, you know, you take a chance, he could shine and could be the start of a glittering career, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I do like um, surfaces. Surfaces comment about uh, Murray in the ruck. I was going to make a comment on that. I thought he was, for a second ruck, he was um, very lively in there. Yeah, but again, mate, uh, probably horses for courses on that one. North didn't have much tall timber um, that was causing any problems apart from um, McKay. I don't know. Yeah, I still think... Uh, I wouldn't want to put him up against Luke Jackson, but no. um, I still think that he, you know, for, for a uh, break glass and emergency in the rack, you know, he might have got the uh, the actual tap out, but he was definitely um, got some clearances and put a lot of pressure on him there. Oh, very, very. I mean, he was great when the ball hit the deck. He, he really did become that, you know, that quote unquote extra midfielder. Um, it was very good on the deck. Um, so, you know, I mean, look, it's an option. Um, I also think that Nick Murray up forward is an option um, and have been saying yeah, that for a while. I agree with that. I think you'd be good up there and uh, you wouldn't want to stand in front of him because he'll go straight through you. Whether it doesn't matter whether you're a teammate or opposition. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's only the only query would be whether he'd be uh, sharp enough in front of goal, but uh, he'd certainly take a grab. But a bit of versatility there, you know. I mean, the other the other question, of course, is uh, where does this selection leave a bloke like Fisher Mackesy um, in terms of not being able to force his way into the side when Riley Thilthorpe's out, Elliot Himmelberg's out of favour. Um, Billy Frampton's not being picked up forward. Um, Fisher's been playing there for a I while. People, I think people are, are getting a bit carried away with the whole Fisher Mackesy thing at the moment because, like, he lost most of last year through injury setbacks here and there. He's had two or three injury setbacks this year. He's only come back for, what, three or four games in the SAFL since his last lot of injury. Um, and, like, he, he did kick, I think he, I think he died, not 100% sure, but I think he kicked three goals this, this last uh, game in this ADFL. Um, I think that, you know, I wouldn't get too carried away with him just yet. He hasn't even had a, a proper, even this pre-season, he was injured halfway through the pre-season. 
Yeah. Well, like he hasn't really had a real in- injury-free runner. Um, if it's not injuries, he's had bad distractions at the time, which, as a young man, would have taken his mind off of it. Yeah. I think he just needs to have a, a you know half decent season where he's got a, a run to get his body right before you start putting you know we start putting too much pressure on him because we all say that tolls take longer. Well, you look at look Darcy Fogarty. This year's as he's been, I think, his best year. And he's been in the system probably two years longer than Mackesy. Well, I'd go further and uh, say that uh, this uh, last probably three or four-week block has been Darcy's most consistent uh, block of form. And, you know, yeah. I mean, when you start seeing Darcy Fogarty putting the afterburners on, um, you think to yourself... Clearly, it was a matter of fitness, and Darren Burgess yeah. has obviously got him not only fit, but I know that he's done a lot of work with uh, Fogarty in terms of his burst speed, um, and uh, that was an er- it, it was identified that Fogarty was a bit of a loper, and uh, they've been able to put mm. some work into him to get his burst speed up, and uh, you can see the kid growing in confidence as a con- as a result of uh, just being able to get some separation out of congestion. I think you can notice a change of attitude too. Like just he's, the way he you know, he just doesn't give it one effort and no, that's enough. He gives it the second and third effort and really gives it a crack. Yeah. But I was noticing there today, I don't remember which one of his goals it was he was lining up for. But I took a notice of his legs and they're nowhere near as uh, tree trunkish as what they used to be, like around his thighs. He, he's definitely lost weight in, uh, in um, well, probably all over, but he's uh, a hell of a lot more mobile than he used to be, that's for sure. Yeah, he's still got a fair, packing a fair bit of junk in the trunk, but uh, you're right, uh, he's a lot leaner overall. Um, but, uh, you know, when you're running on top of the ground and you, uh, you're feeling like you've got a little bit of pace in your legs, it certainly does give you a lift. Um, so it's great It's great to see, um, you know. And uh, real Philip for the club if Fogarty can come on because, uh, you know, another first-round draft pick that uh, was on the, on the brink of the cliff sort of thing. Um, but if he continues with this form, uh, fantastic. And he and uh, Tex... Uh, we're working very well. Fogarty, after the game, mentioned that uh, Tex basically rules the roost down forward and tells him where to go, but uh, they did seem to have a good understanding going uh, this week at least. Yeah, I did get a laugh at that when they, when they asked him, does he start bossing <laughs> around? He goes, no, he tells me to piss off. So That's right. <laughs> I did actually get a bit of a, a, bit of a laugh out of, the, uh, out of the interview. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Look, um... Yeah, I mean, really, uh, the forward line and probably for mine, Jake Saligo were the real stories out of the game. Um, I thought Jake Saligo just took another little step. Uh, His poise um, and his ability to get to contests, uh, his his work rate is fantastic for a first-year kid. He's only 19 and he's running 15Ks a game. And uh, he gets to a lot of contests. He doesn't panic with ball in hand. Uh, looks really promising. I thought this was a game, a, a, a really good game. Yeah, I I rate Lego. I think he played. You know, yeah, well, I don't know how many games was it. You know, four or five games he's played, but he's yeah. um, he's games to be getting better game after game. I mean, Barry didn't have quite the game he he had 
last week, but he was still in there. He's still um, you know, putting pressure, and I think he's a lot cleaner with his hands than um, a lot of the older midfielders. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know how I know how it goes, so I won't go into too much of the individuals at the moment. But um, I think uh, I know we were only playing the cellar dwellers, but um, I thought I gave them a bit of a bit of kicker confidence too. So, um, the only downside I saw of all game was um, oh, the injury that we had to. Uh, oh, McAdam. McAdam. That was um, you know he's been playing really well. But um, that was the only downer for the game for me. Yeah, it was a shame. And just uh, landing on, on another bloke's foot and you get that. Thankfully, it was the outside of the, the ankle, so uh, not as bad as doing one on the inside. Um, probably opens the door for a bloke like Cook or Gallant um, to come in, um, or, or maybe depending on how Riley Thilthorpe's going, they might decide to uh, use that option. Um, because at the moment, it's probably... Difficult to see how Thilthorpe gets back into that combination um, without losing. I mean, they may bring in uh, a tool for uh, McHenry or someone like that, but um, uh, I reckon it's a good opportunity to give Lucky Gallant another go. He didn't do a lot wrong, um, and to I me, mean, going a right in the twos probably needs another crack. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know. I'm so glad he put, you know, came out and he signed up for another two years. So that was oh, good me news. Too. He's going to be hanging Absolutely. around. So give yeah, him a crack. Like, best best um, news of the year, Mick, I reckon, that one. Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be a, a really good player. So, you know, the more you play them, you know, the better it is. And we've got, seem to have, uh, well, now Fogarty seems to be um, running on top of the ground, as you said, and kicking goals will... You know, we've got two forwards now that are going all right. So if we got a third one in there, it's still, you know, just so, there to, to um, learn the game a bit. Well, it won't really hurt us that much. It's not like we're going to be going for the top eight, is it? No, not this year. <laughs> um, Joshua Shelley, Mick, how'd you see his game? Who was that? Sorry, Joshua Shelley. I think he's cracking the shits a bit. Um, you can see his body language looks like he's half the time he's going to trip over his bottom lip. But uh, I think a lot of it's to do with he's always been, you know, the number one kid in the uh, in his side. Yep. I've always had, um, you know, had it had it pretty good. Had it pretty. Um, yeah, it was always you know. Right up there with the best players of any side he's been in, and all of a sudden he's come to the AFL. And I was like, "Holy shit, this is hard." Well, not only I is it hard, you know, I think he'd like to be in amongst it. I don't think he likes it on a half forward flank. I think he'd like to be in amongst it. I, I, I would have given yeah, him a run. Cracking up a bit there, eh? Hey, Ima. Uh, let me see if I can fix that real quick. Um, I don't know whether I want to throw him in there as you know at the moment. Um, I maybe give him one bounce here or there, but I wouldn't wouldn't want to throw him in too much. Um, we did recruit him as a as a a forward mid, not a um, 
a mid forward. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think again, uh, you, you take opportunities when they present themselves. Mick and I just felt like today, given it was pretty much a cruise control game, um, we could have maybe get him got him a few more midfield uh, minutes. To be honest, um, yeah, you got to recognise we took him at number six, uh, number four, or whatever we did, and um, uh, we would have. I I don't think we would have spent that first round draft pick on um you know a lively forward you know we obviously projected to play midfield minutes and i think it was an opportunity today to get him around the ball a bit um yeah you know uh, there there was lots of opportunities to rotate shuey and hately and and uh berry um and even mchenry for that matter um through the through the midfield and gives them some minutes and i i felt like this is where our selection and our coaching is a little bit, bit samey. They don't. There doesn't seem to be a lot of proactivity about the way we coach and selected at the moment. We we pick a side and we run with it, and um, you know we work hard and everything that comes out of the club is all cold face stuff. It's all you know we work hard, contest the ball and tackling and la la la. Doesn't seem to be a lot of flair. Doesn't seem to be a lot of. Uh, um, Malcolm Blight about the situation. <laughs> yeah, I I um, made this comment I think a couple of weeks ago that um, I I quite like our forward and our back coach, but I'm the uh, line coach, but I'm not overly um, impressed with our midfield coach. He seems to like to get his favourites. I don't know whether it's just a midfield coach or whether it's the whether it's Knicks, but they seem to get their favourite three to four, and they don't seem to do much more than that. Um, I think uh, Shuey was in the middle quite a bit, especially in that in the second half. You saw, I saw him in around the ball a fair bit. Yeah, but um, yeah, they don't seem to to rotate six, seven, eight players through there. It's, you know, you're lucky to get a four rotated. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's, you know, 25 centre bounces, you would have thought there would have been an opportunity for uh, for a bit more variety through there or even just pushing lads up at certain times uh, during the course of play. Uh, and I think that might be contributing to Rochelle's um, perceived disinterest. I don't know whether it's disinterest. I, I do think he gets a little bit down in the, down in the mouth. Um, and uh, a couple of his efforts today were a little bit little bit questionable um, in terms of his uh, willingness to put his body over it um, but he is only a kid um, even, a, even some of his chases weren't exactly um, going 100% I think to try and put pressure on I think yeah. there was a bit of loping involved in a couple of them um, but I mean it's, it's, it's his first season he's a kid um, he's not in a winning side you know we've got to win today but you know, we're not exactly um, you know, flying. And, um, you know, he's probably got a bit, bit of the shits on. I don't think he's got, don't think he's any you know, danger of leaving or anything. I think he's just, um, yeah, he's just got a bit disgruntled for a while. He's getting a lot more attention than he, what he's used to. Yeah. yeah. And a lot better, lot better of attention, too. Like, not just attention. It's, you know, they're wearing him like a glove. Yeah, well, they recognise that he's got some weapons. Yeah, and that's, that's, you know, you should take that as a mark of respect that they do 
that everyone does rate him, and that's why yep. they wear him so hard. And um, you know, he'll uh, he'll work his way out of it, and I do believe he will go have his you know sections in the midfield. But I don't think he'll be this year. So, so here's a hypothetical for you, and I'm not condoning this or promoting this at all. But uh, if we got a an offer from an interstate club in Victoria for Joshua Shelley for a a, a pick in the uh, here we go in the first half a dozen, would you uh, oh, do that as part no, of a Jason oh, Horn Francis trade? I knew you'd bring up Jason Horn Francis. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've got a poster of him on your bedroom ceiling. <laughs> Mate, I've um, been watching him for a long time. Yeah, I mean... I think I'd rather try and work out other ways of doing it and keep both because you want oh, to make your sure. team better all over, not just... Um, I think yeah, Jason Horn francis has got a lot of tricks. I'm not saying he hasn't. I also think that Rochelle's got a lot of tricks. Um, and in my mind, I'd rather have both of them than one of them. Either oh, 100%. 100% one. So you'd if, rather if have both of them. If there's, another, if there's a different way of doing it, uh, I think you should. we should um, explore all avenues of, keep, of keeping Rochelle and, oh, and no try doubt. and get uh, Francis as well. Um, because I think, you know, at the moment... I'd rather that, you know, a bird in the hand is better than one in the bush. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know who else we, we can pray or who else who, who's got currency and trade or anything, but looking at uh, looking at North's list and the way they played today, you could almost pull one of those, um, I think it was Giants. No, it was a Giants and... Um, Essendon a few yep. years ago, where yep. they they did picks for about five players. Well, yep. I think um, no, Carlton, we could just it? about do that. Stuff. Carlton was it? Yeah, yeah, it was Carlton. Yes, well, it uh, could be something like that because North need everything. They don't need one or two players; they need five or six just to get oh, yeah. slightly comp- slightly competitive. You know, one more first round is not going to help them. They need they need help. Yeah. Um, look, I think it's finally shaken out with North uh, because when you put in two expansion teams like GWS and Gold Coast and you give them so much high-end talent, there was always going to be one or two clubs that got burnt in that process because it's just not enough talent to go around. And that team is North. But there's a bit of that theme, but there's also a bit of being complete muppets and um, you know getting rid of players that they could have kept for, for one or two years to help treat, teach them to they cut to the bone and they cut too far for the bone with their older players like getting rid of 14 or whatever it was in one hit um, they cut it too deep and oh, definitely. Um, that's what you get yeah definitely um, I think they're a little bit seduced by their by their high finish back a few years ago um, and thought they had enough talent coming through to, to keep them going. They do like, you know, uh, there's three or four there that I wouldn't mind having in, in my team, but uh, oh, I, 
you just don't see them coming back. And with the, the problem for North is that they've got a small supporter base. They don't have a lot of finances. Um, and they're, you'd have to say they're five years away. If they do everything right from here on, they're still probably five years away from being any sort of contender just to make the eight, I would have thought. No, that that's probably that's probably generous. Um, just the the age the age group that they've got there. They've, you know, I know yeah. we're the youngest, but they wouldn't be far off of it. And the only reason they're not the youngest is they've got a few dinosaurs in their yeah, side. Yeah, gold gold star tips. Um, yeah, he he picks their average up by two years overall. Um, he, well, he's almost old enough to be a uh, rookie for Joel. But um, <laughs> they, they, uh, they're way behind. I mean, they're going to get a lot of games into a lot of kids, and they're going to be shit for the next three or four years before they even start climbing up there. And that's if they do pick right. Um, that's right. Which they, that, they've got to do you know, everything right. And they need more than one first rounder. They need more than one, you know, really good player coming in every year. And that's where they should have taken that trade that we offered them, the, well, that we offered them last year. One hundred percent. They were foolish. They were foolish to think they could bring one great white hoping and um, rather than three players. And yeah. maybe we can offer them three players. And, it, it was uh, absolutely. They mightn't be, you know, they mightn't be the top of the line. They, at least they'll have. Um, we've got a few. Of our mid-range players, we've got sitting there that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't cry if they left. Mate, they it was... would definitely lift up their training standards. They'd lift up their, they'd probably be leaders, and um, actually make them better over the field than one another young kid. Mate, it was an experience. It was an absolute, absolutely ridiculous call by them not to take our or Richmond's offer. Um, I think they got... Uh, they they were deer in the headlights because they knew that it was the club's first first um, pick um, and they didn't want the, the PR hit uh, in terms of having to explain away, you know, giving away such a gilt-edged talent. Um, but you're 100% right. Given the state of their list um, and what they needed... To be able to get two or three uh, picks inside the first round, or two and a player, or whatever the hell it was, um, that's exactly what they needed. And this is why I'm opposed to them t- getting a priority pick next year, because or this year, because they had that they, they had that opportunity to get full value. They never had a, a more valuable first round pick than the one they had last year. And now they get because they didn't take that because they didn't do the right thing, the smart thing. They're going to have their hand out to the AFL saying, "Oh, we want an extra pick," and I don't think it's right. Not, not only that thing, not only this, that the last year's you know not taking the trade, it's how they cut their players and how they have handled this entire rebuild. It just adds up to you don't deserve a, a pick. You're a pack of muppets, yeah. virtually. Yeah. You know, it's not just one thing that say it shouldn't. You know, you should have traded that pick. It's the last three years. Oh, one hundred percent. Just added up to yeah. Just add up to one cluster after another. Well, I think they're they're a club that is uh, heavily invested in bygone successes, uh, 
um, and bygone uh, era of great players. And I don't think they've, you know, and Jimmy Brayshaw, you, you love him or hate him, he, he was very passionate about that club and, you know, they resisted going up to the Gold Coast and they're, they're not interested in going to Tasmania and Tasmania really aren't interested in them either. But as a result, I just think the shakeout of the way the competition's been handled over the last, you know, dozen years or so, with the dilution of talent, uh, the inclusion of extra teams and the leg up that those teams got for a long period of time, there was always going to be one team, Mick, and that team is North. And between North and St Kilda, they're probably the two teams in the competition that you really don't want having extended periods at the bottom of the ladder because they just don't have the supporter base. And I really, I, I really honestly think that it's there's going to uh, be a bit of a... Um, it's going to come to a head with North Melbourne because we're going to be having the same conversation in three years' time about North and their crowds are going to be down, their finances are going to be down. Any kid that goes there is going to want to leave. You know, you've got to... It's going to be like Brisbane all over again. 100%. 100%. So, and the only thing that got Brisbane off the deck was merging with bloody Fitzroy. You know? Yeah. So... I think there's I think there's a, a storm brewing with North Melbourne, and I don't well, think it's I'm, going to be pretty. I'm in a unique unique uh, situation because I was sitting at a um, family uh, event last night, just sitting around a bonfire, and I actually uh, my brother-in-law is actually a North Melbourne supporter. I actually found yeah. one, yeah. and um, <laughs> and ne- nephew's a St Kilda supporter, and um, wow, you you, th- you think. Um, you know, we have something to whinge about. You see them, like the St Kilda supporters, supporters, but how long have St Kilda's been there? They've won one premiership in the entire say, time. Those family gigs must be fun times, mate. <laughs> oh, and my other brother, my other brother-in-law is a Geelong supporter. And you should have seen some of the text messages oh, wow. I was sending him yesterday when, the, yeah. when they were um, looking like they were going to lose and... I said, you need to quickly run out there and take some fish oil tablets to get the old boys' points <laughs> moving because they're going to get run over. But, um, yeah, it is a very interesting family uh, event. Yeah, well, I don't know how North are going to get get themselves out of this one. I really don't. Um, and, you know, to be honest, we all know there's two, at least two too many teams in Victoria, in my opinion. North mm-hmm. and St Kilda are the two teams that shouldn't be there. Um, uh, and I just wonder whether the next CEO will have the agates to really sit down and address this problem because it's not going away. It's not going away anytime no. soon. I, I think you know, one in Tassie and one in Darwin sounds good to me, but um, I'd hate have- to play the Darwin side. I don't know how logistic. Yeah, I don't know how logistically you get the Darwin thing going unless you base them in Alice. No, I think it'd have to be in Darwin itself. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You just it's yeah. The, uh, you have to train with a cake of soap before you went up there, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, let's look at some uh, head-to-head stats, um, shall we, Mick? Um, 
not that it really means a hell of a lot. Um, 328 to 318 disposals. Um, much better kick to handball ratio for us this week. Um, 193 kicks, 135 handballs. Uh, inside 50s, we had 16 more than them. Not a huge amount by us, but uh, at least we were getting the ball in there, not like the previous couple of weeks. Disposal efficiency was good. North was horrific. Uh, North running at 63.5 disposal efficiency for the match. Um and you're just not going to win games of footy doing that. Um, contested posies was fairly even. Uh, uncontested, we got a little bit more on the outside than them. Uh, we turned it over slightly less. Um, free kicks, relatively even. Uh, hit outs. Um, one thing that I wanted to say with regards to um, Riley Thilthorpe is there an opportunity for us to maybe, instead of Kieran Strong coming in for Riley O'Brien? Uh, to run Riley Thilthorpe off the bench um, in a three-way uh, sort of situation between forward ruck and the bench with Riley O'Brien. I'd love to see Thilthorpe in the ruck and play him there for an extended, extended amount of games. Um, I think he's got the agility. I don't think he's forward. I don't think he's a player. He's not a High flying forward, he's not that skilled. You know, he's he does take marks, but that's not really his go. Um, I'd love to see him in the ring. I think he's a ruckman, um, a ruck forward, probably rather than the forward ruck. Um, yeah, GP in the check, that's right. Um, Will Phillips has had glandular fever, I believe, which is why we're not seeing him at North. Um, yeah, he's not a power forward, I don't think. He's not going to be a power forward like, say, Logan McDonald is projecting to be a power forward. Um, uh, he's got fantastic skills. My only worry about him in the ruck is he honestly seems to be, like, what is he rated at, 202 or something centimetres? He just doesn't seem that tall on the field to me. He doesn't seem to play tall. Do you get that impression at all, Mick? I don't know whether it's just a optical illusion because he can actually he's mobile and he's actually moves like a normal human being, not like a stick figure like our normal ruck. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you look at Max King for example, and like you can tell he he looks tall. He's got big wingspan. He's, and but he's all gang- sort of... yeah, but he's gangly. That's why I mean he he looks yeah. like he's made out of straws. He's yeah. um. Yeah, I don't know. I just I think maybe it's, it's the proportion of, the, of uh, Phil Thorpe's body that makes you think that he's not as tall as he is. But yeah, um, you know, we didn't seem to play tall. I don't think they. I don't think they're you know, kidding. But I just would like to like love to see him in the, have a crack in, in the in in the rack. Um, I don't want to see Riley O'Brien drop for God's sake because he's in my super coach side. But I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do want to see him. Um, Phil Thorpe. You know, Chop out a bit. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, more more ruck minutes. You don't want to kill the kid, but I mean, he rucked for his whole uh, senior season pretty much at Westies um, on and off. So it's not as if the kid yeah, didn't I know how I was to ruck. Following him all year because I knew we were, we were probably going to take him. So yeah, that year I was yeah watching whatever games I can because I, I don't live in Adelaide. I actually live in Broken Hill. So yeah, you know, I watch the games I can. And um, I was uh, following him 
as much as I could. Yeah. Um, anyway, head out um, uh, Riley O'Brien 41, uh, North Melbourne 54. Uh, clearances, uh, we're four up on clearances, uh, which was all centre bounce. Uh, clearances were even around stoppage. Um, marks, North Melbourne 80 to 65, which is interesting considering our low handball count and the fact that we had more of the ball on the outside. Um, that stat doesn't kind of compute to me, but uh, anyway. Uh, 13 marks inside 50 each, um, 16 contested to 14 uh, marks uh, north slight edge over Adelaide there. Um, tackles, uh, 58 to 85 is a huge disparity, um, considering we were on top for most of the game, the fact that we were able to out-tackle them by, you know, 27. Um, and 20 tackles inside 50. Now, I didn't necessarily notice... Uh, our defensive, our forward fifty defensive work ramping up. It felt to me more like North Melbourne were just shit down back, but uh, maybe <laughs> I was mistaken. I did, I did hear the commentators say. I think it was towards the only one in the beginning of the second quarter that we were our pressure um, index or whatever they call it. We were over yeah. two hundred twenty. Yeah, okay. and they were saying that yeah. We were we're cracking in pretty well, um, so you know maybe you know, we obviously were putting a lot of pressure on, but um, it might have been a bit of the uh, of option B as well, where North was just shit. <laughs> I mean, they weren't great. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> oh dear. You know. so, I mean, there's not a lot to take from those stats. It, Stats-wise, it looks relatively even. Um, we obviously just use the ball a lot better. I think I'll take better. one thing on him. I think the coaches gave Lady a bit of a talking to about all the handballs because he seemed to kick a lot more. Well, that's right. Although he's still 13 and 21 for his 34 touches, but uh, that's better than 2 and 50, <laughs> which is, <laughs> it's been trending towards. Uh, yeah. But uh, let's have a look at some uh, individual stats while we're at it. Uh, and we won't go through all of this, but uh, as we mentioned, Lady 34 touches, 13 and 21, 11 tackles, which is excellent, 11 clearances also, which is good, 316 metres gained. Um, he had four inside 50s, um, seven intercepts, eight score involvements, and that's the one I always like to see up um, with our midfielders. The fact that he was able to get involved in some uh, scoring chains is good. Um, 22 contested possessions for a team high was excellent. And to be honest with you, overall, probably our best player, I would have thought. Yeah, no argument there, I don't think. Uh, Benny Keyes had 30 as well, 17 and 13, just not impacting the game as much at the moment. Uh, ben had seven clearances, 627 metres gain, though. Uh, makes him a bit of a liar out of me, although... Effective metres going to be a great stack to have, I reckon. Five inside 50s, four score involvements, uh, only 60% disposal efficiency, which is the query, and 14 contested possessions. Uh, to be honest with you, I I'm didn't notice to, Ben's work much. I'm starting to wonder whether Ben is, wears contact lenses and whether he's got a Crows player actually stuck to one of his contact lenses because he seems to hand pass where... There isn't anybody, or kick to somewhere where there's nobody all the time. Um, so I don't know actually know what he's kicking to. 
Look, for a bloke with his speed and his aggression and his ability to gut run, there had to be a reason why not only could he not break into the Brisbane team, but they didn't even want to hang on to him as a backup. And we're seeing it now. It's all about composure for Benny Keys. He's got no composure. He's not got the ability to steady. Um, He's not got... Uh, good technique. He, when he kicks, he, he brings the ball up from far too high, so he's prone for uh, poor ball drops. Um, he's very left-sided. He's got no right side whatsoever, so he's quite easy to cover once you do your homework on him. Um, so for all his good points, um, he does have some severe limitations. Can you teach an old dog? Oh, he's not that old, but I don't know whether you can change that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping. I mean, I do see even this year, I think there's a little bit of improvement on last year. Um, not so much on, well, maybe not as much improvement this year as what there was last year. But he did improve last year from the year before. Yeah. And I had hopes he'd take take the next step again this year and clean up some of his disposal. Maybe they can, they can you know, make him... Have a little bit of composure and a bit of a think. You know, he's not always because um, he runs around like his ass is on fire. Yeah, time. Yeah, like yeah. he's got to. Um, you know, he, he does burst steps are good. He gets away from everybody and then he just sort of hacks it. He just needs to. The brain seems to be going quicker than his legs. Yeah, he just needs to slow down a little bit. But maybe yeah. they can, because if they can get on top of that, he's going to be one hell of a player. Yeah. But they just need to get on top of that. Honestly, think some of it's technique. I I really do. If you watch where he brings the ball down when he kicks it, so he's almost bringing it down from his chest. Um, You know, he he needs to, like, he leans back on his kicking. He's got no balance. He's not balanced at all when he kicks. And if someone could get him to work on being lower over over his uh, kicking foot when he kicks... Uh, he'd eliminate some of those miss kicks. Um, that's not an, it's not an easy thing to coach out of a kid that's been doing that for all of his life. And, you know, again, you sort of wonder where bloody junior coaches were at some stage because it's not a, not a difficult thing, but once it's ingrained and entrenched in the way that you play, it's very difficult to coach out. Here's one for you, Shane. If you drop Ben Keys into North midfield... Where do you think you'd rank? Um, okay. Um, I mean, got, it'd be above Hugh Greenwood, obviously, I reckon. Oh, Jesus, um, I think Doug I think, I think, um, above Greenwood. Yeah, Hugh has dropped off uh, severely. Uh, I don't mind Simpkin. I don't like Davies Uniaki. Um... But give him a lot more grunt around the ball, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, if you put if you put him in the midfield with those two, I think it'd be an upgrade. Yeah. So that's the type of player that I'm saying that's around our fringes. If we put a, <clears throat> if we could put like a couple of those type of players, like I love Ben. I reckon he puts a lot of effort in. Um, yeah. but there's limitations and. Um, you know, if we could put a couple of players like that to them and say a second rounder to try and get Horn Francis, I think that's a better deal than um, 
giving away Rochelle. Hundred percent. We got to remember that the bloke's got to want to go. Um, it's probably easier with a bloke like Keys, who we can say, you know, look, you might struggle to to make best twenty two. Um, so if you want to play, you know, to consistent AFL footy, then maybe North's an option. Um, I, I think the only way we do any deals is it's not through North. Uh, North need picks, and I think um, there's North not a pl- experience. It's a hard spine too, mate. Well, that's true, but they need, not- they need someone to set the standards around the place because from what I can see, there is none. Yeah, but would you go to North? I mean, Benny Keys, was, Benny Keys was the best and fairest two years ago. Would you go to North? I don't think did, so. I don't think he won it, did he? He's won one he gold right jacket, up. hasn't he? No, nah, he'd come a second or third, but he didn't oh, win one. whatever. Anyway, he's we pretty... Thought, we thought he was going to, but he, he I mean, he's right up there. He's in the top five yeah. since he's coming here virtually. Yeah. But, oh, I reckon he'd probably go to okay. Essendon. I reckon he'd go to Essendon. I don't know whether he'd go to North. Yeah. I was just, I was just putting it out there, that type of, you know, at the moment he's right up there with our, you know, in our midfield, but one or two years' time with the development of our young ones, he's not going to be. Well, you wouldn't think so, no. Uh, and the, he's a bit like um, Matty Crouch, I think, because... If he's not getting midfield minutes, where else can you play him? He's not a forward because he's just not reliable in front of goals. Look, he could be a small defender, um, quite possibly be a small defender actually, but that's that's the only other place he could play, I reckon, because um, he hasn't got any class about him in ter- or any polish, I should say, um, with his disposal. So, uh, yeah, interesting one, that one. Um, Jordy Dawson... As I said, in my opinion, just a little bit wasted. He had 29, kick, uh, 29 touches, 23 and 6, 7 marks, 4 tackles, 600 metres gained. Uh, the stat that I don't like is that he only had f- 4 score involvements and that probably underlines my point that I just feel like it's just for a bloke that we paid that much currency for and we, you can see that when he's played higher... Um, you know, when he was at the Swans, you know, he can hit the scoreboard, he can take a good mark up forward. I just think it's easy mode to put... It's easy mode by the coaches to put Dawson across half-back. And Nick's talked a little bit about the players trusting each other during the week. That was shot down by Tex. I reckon the trust issue is actually... And I've said this before. I reckon the trust issue is between the coaching staff and the players, to be honest with you. I think there's a little bit of um, not so much trust in the coaching group. I think there might be a little bit of wondering what the hell's going on in the selection. Um, with the younger players, I think, um, and yet again, how set in their ways, older group seems to think they're entitled to a spot. Yeah. Um, and the younger group sitting back and going, what the hell do we have to do? Yeah, but I, I guess um, I guess my uh, what I mean there, Mick, is that I don't know whether Nick's and Co trust a bloke like John uh, Mitch Hinge to go back and play as an intercept halfback flanker, which he definitely can, in order to oh, yeah. allow Jordan Dawson to play up the ground. 
That's where, and we've seen a few cases like that. You know, they haven't trusted Sam Berry until recently to get into the midfield. He basically had to smash the door down. You know, there's been a few other lads. Harry Schoenberg's been stuck forward a lot of the time. Um, you know, Jack Hately took ages to be able to break into his preferred position. I, I just at times I don't feel like the coaches have enough trust in the kids to pull the trigger. Yeah. Which is not really good when you're in the, mid, in the middle of a rebuild. That's that's right. And what you said before is perfectly uh, perfectly on the, on the mark, that the, the younger players will start to lose a bit of faith in the coaching panel that they actually uh, are developing them. Because, you know, uh, Geordie Dawson across halfback, that's, that's cheat mode against a side like, like North mm. Melbourne. There's absolutely no... I can see, uh, you know, you're doing that for for half a, half a quarter or something to stem the tide. He'd be the, the go-to person. But no, you we bought him to be an attacking, you know, outside mid, um, and we're not using him that way. And I, I just feel like Nick's is covering his ass by playing Jordan Dawson down back. Yeah. Yeah, probably, yeah, maybe. I mean, I I like his disposal coming out of uh, half of half back. I know it's probably need that disposal going into the forward line as well. But um, yeah, he, he's playing bloody well down there. Oh, no doubt. But Brent Riley used to play well down there too, mate. <laughs> and look. You know, maybe it's because my, my impression is that Tom Duday is playing a bit injured at the moment um, and they also seem to want to play Tom on taller players for some reason. I'm not happy with that. Tom Duday was a perfectly acceptable third man up uh, intercept defender a couple of years ago and uh, I really think that he should be returned to that role. Mitch Hinge being in the team allows for that um, and I'd I think Dawson down back, as I won't labour the point anymore, but Dawson down back to me is a luxury that we should be... I think I think a bit of that today, because he was named on the wing, I think a bit of that today is because I think that North actually tried to play an extra tall in, in attack and they were they had to, to keep him down there maybe. I don't know, but I know they didn't line up like uh, North moves there. Uh, McKay out of defence and put him in forward, which didn't really do anything, but um, it did stretch our defence. Yeah. Anyway, still think there are other options. Jordan, Jordan Dawson is going to win our BNF by a country mile this year. Agreed. Um, cost us a fair swag in uh, the trade period. And I'm pretty sure that when they traded him, they didn't sell him the dream of being loose across halfback. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, Jack Hately, 21, 11 and 10, uh, four marks, 365 metres gained. Um, it wasn't a huge game by Jackson. Uh, four school involvements, seven contested possessions. It was, it was just a game by Jack, I thought. Yeah, I don't think he was given in the opportunity. I didn't see him line up in a, in a centre bench. Um, so he's playing on the wing. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is not his preferred position. He'd rather be, you know, in the midfield. So I think, um, yeah, it was a game. 
Obviously, yeah, just you put him in the game a few centre bounces, it'd be better. Yeah, but, I agree. Um, yeah, he did his role. It wasn't anything special. Yeah, yeah. Um, Smithers, as we mentioned before, fourteen and seven, uh, two marks. Um, and uh, 500 odd metres gained, but again, only two score involvements, only four intercepts, um, only one at 62% disposal efficiency. Um, is it time for Brody to have a rest? I think Brody just seems to, and I know you've, you've said it before, and I've bitten quite well when you've said about Brody, <laughs> but um, he kicks long, he kicks. I saw last week he tried to pull on a, a short kick and it was horrible. Um, he can do a long kick, but there doesn't seem to be many other tricks. I mean, when he does a long kick, if there's a, a opposition player there, well, they just mark it because he doesn't seem to put it to our player's advantage. And um, maybe it's time to try someone else for a little while and give him a rest. It's such a shame because Smithers not only does he have a long kick, but it's a it's a low raking kick as well that would be very effective if he could actually direct it properly. But as I've said many times on this podcast, his technique doesn't allow for accuracy. It's a sling sling technique. Uh, there's no way that he can consistently hit hit a target. Um, you know, with that sort of action. Yeah, but he and seems to be able to kick goals when he when he when, when, you know when it comes down to kicking goals, you'll get them. Yeah, but yeah, kicking, eight goals, times out of 10. kicking goals so is if easy. You get a bloody goal. No, it's a yeah. completely different skill, Mick, because kicking a goal, you've only got to kick it through an area. Um, when you're kicking to a an individual, you've got to put it into a, a small drop zone, and he doesn't have the ability to do that. You, you can you can miss a uh, like you can you've got seven meters between the two goalposts. If you miss your target by seven mm. meters. Uh, trying to lay someone out, then you've you've turned it over. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I've seen I've seen him miss one of our players by more than seven metres before. Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. You know, uh, look, he it's it's a technique thing. It always has been with Brody. Um, you know, and he used to um, used to have it more. I remember him turning over some terrible. There was one in a in a final where he just needed to hit a target. I think it was Seedsman, and he. Kicked it behind him and, it, and we turn it over and it costs us. A, he's not good under pressure with his kicking, um, and it's to me it's just getting worse. And I think uh, with with Chase Jones showing form down back, um, Brody Smith. I mean, he's not bad overhead, but he's not there really as a as a tall defender. He's more a running defender. I think we could probably give him a rest. I, I was shocked when when Jones was dropped. I just yeah, couldn't see the reasoning on that because I was actually thinking he was getting a good bunch of games together and um, I was very disappointed when Jones was dropped. Yeah, me too. Me too. Jones and Hinge both uh, were, were two omissions that I couldn't really understand. Anyway, it'll be interesting to yeah. see what they do with Brody. Well, if you wanted to, they could... Um, you know, it would probably be best all round if they wanted to uh, give uh, Brody a rest and didn't want to get... Play Jones there, It'd be better off to play Miller back there. Oh, hundred percent, absolutely. Um, I wanted to talk with you about Miller in a minute. Um, 
Let's just get through a few others. Darcy was, uh, it was great to see Darcy running on top of the ground and great to see Darcy putting a good stretch of games together. Um, career high 20 disposals in his 50th game, 14 and 6, 8 marks, um, including one nice little specky. Uh, 458 metres gained because he was getting up the ground a bit as well, which was good. Um, 6 inside 50s, 10 score involvements, um, 10 contested possessions as well. It's I mean, I know he had that game against West mm-hmm. Coast a few years ago, but I reckon it was his best game for the club. Yeah, by far, the, the, that game against West Coast, he, he kicked five goals. This, you know, today he kicked four, yeah. but he got nowhere near twenty disposals, and he yeah. wasn't playing up the ground and and doing what he was doing just not to, today. He was it was a really good game. I was really happy with his game today. Yeah, agreed. Now, don't forget, everyone, just because Mick's on here doesn't mean that no one else can have a say as well. So if you do want to have something to say, stick your hand up um, and uh, we'll be happy to have you on. And uh, I must say, Mick, uh, I'm very grateful for you uh, coming on and uh, being my standing co-host today. It's uh, much appreciated. All good. Uh, Tommy today, um, a bit of a nothing game from Tom. I still say, and Nicky pointed out a few weeks ago, and I agree, he's got a hand issue. He can't, when he handballs, you can see he actually cradles the ball in his wrist rather than holds it in his hand. Um, why don't they just give him a rest? What's the point in playing him? I have no idea. He, need, he, he is definitely playing injured. Um, he is not the same player that, he, that he's not performing like he usually does and like he sets himself pretty high standards. And... Um, yeah, I'm a real Duday fan. I think he's you know going to be a, a really good 200 game player for us. But he's just he's off the ball a little bit at the moment, and um, and maybe not drop him next week against Melbourne because I don't want to get totally obliterated. But um, yeah, you know, I don't know why they played played him this weekend. He could have had this weekend off. Yeah, if he's got an issue with his thumb or his wrist or his hand or whatever it is. Um, again, another missed opportunity. But anyway, uh, Jimmy Rowe, uh, God, he's an enigma. Uh, 14 disposals, 19 and 5, uh, 3 marks, 5 tackles, 273 metres gained. Um, he had uh, 2 inside 50s, 7 score involvements. So um, it's a pity he's not 10 centimetres taller. Exactly. <laughs> Because he, yeah, I mean, he's, he's not got small forwards. Like he, I know no. he, he crumbs every now and again, and he does small forward stuff. But he's not a natural small forward. He should be up on, in, in the midfield somewhere, running around because he's got the. He knows where the ball's going to be. He's he's a smart footballer, and I actually like Jimmy Rowe. I reckon I, 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 this year you can see he's a lot fitter than he was last year. Yeah. And I hope I hope he gets fitter again and really makes a crack of it because I. I think he gives it a, a pretty good go, and um, he's got the smarts. And as you said, just wish he was 10 centimetres taller. So here, here you go. This is what I reckon, because I think there's a bit of value in having a bloke that um, that has football intelligence, right, football IQ. And I reckon mm-hmm. if, there, if there was a... If there was a player that Jimmy Rowe needed to look at and say, I need to become that player, it's Baker from Richmond. 
if he could become Baker from Richmond, then he's got an mm. AFL career because that's the type of player he needs to be. At the moment, he's he's not, um, but he's certainly got the smarts to be that kind of intelligent, pesky player. He needs to work on his defensive um, um, side of his game yeah, a problem. fair bit. Um, but there's a lot there to work sure. with, a lot there to work with. And if he could turn himself into something like Baker from Tigers, I'd be quite happy to keep him on the list. As it is at the moment, the problem is that he's taking a small forward spot. And I think the issue, I think the issue is that we can't have McHenry and Jones around the same team because I think one of those spots needs to be a genuine small forward. We're kind of playing James Rowe as a small forward, but like you point out, he's not really that... At the moment, Neb McHenry is definitely not that. So one of those two blokes has to go, in my opinion. And I'd probably, at the moment, value for kicks at the moment, James Rowe's in front of Neb McHenry. So I'd rather keep uh, I'd rather keep Rowe in the side. Um, Neb McHenry, for all his defensive work, if you could morph the two, you'd probably have Baker, actually. Um, but uh, we probably need a goal-kicking small. We don't have a goal-kicking small, and I reckon it hurts us. I'd, and that's where I'd really like to, to, to have a look at what New Church would do. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I think, I mean, what's it going to hurt? At least he's got, he's got one thing that most of our players haven't got and seems to be, you know, coaching group seems to be allergic to, and that's speed. Yeah. Um, you know, just give him a go. Like, it was not like, um, what's the worst going to happen? Oh, you know, like, oh. You need to give him, you know, not not don't do a, you know, don't do a standard Adelaide, play him one game against Geelong and Geelong, and then drop him for two years. Like if you're going to give him a go, give him four or five games. We'd want to almost play him until the end of the season. Uh, the the problem is, the, the the only thing that I'd see about Newchurch is that I reckon he'd be a bit of a confidence player, and you could almost make or break him. I reckon if you weren't careful, mm. um, so you've got to be a bit careful with him. Anyway, um, so I don't, I don't see many uh, SAFL games, um, but I do check the stats every every uh, week, and there's not many weeks he doesn't get at least two goals. Yeah, no, it's a always a couple of tackles, and yeah, you know, I just think that um, yeah, McHenry's. We're trying to turn him into a small forward. He's not a small forward. He's a midfielder. Yeah, he um, is. That we're trying to change. Like, either play him in the midfield or don't play him. Yeah. And when you think of... I mean, this is where you, you go back to his selection in the draft. What type of player did we think McHenry was going to become? There was never any evidence that he was a goal-kicking midfielder of any great degree he was he was um a good offsider to sam walsh i think it was sam walsh um but i just i just wonder what the projection was on mchenry when we picked him what what we thought we were going to get because um he's got no depth in his kicking so as a midfielder he's very limited uh, certainly defensively and his work ethic and his engine and everything is excellent um but I don't know what they were thinking when they took him. I, be... I still think for that two, two three-year period that our coach at that time 
had too much to say about who we selected. Because you That's just got to see the difference of the people we were selecting before that and the difference of the people we're selecting after that. And you've got to say that there was a three-year group there that, you know, that we missed a lot in our selections. Yeah, it's possible. It would be nice to uh, nice to get some inside word on, on that period of time because you're right. Um, it, we just made error after error. Anyway, um, Mitch Hinge, um, decent if not extraordinary, 400 metres gained from 13 touches, um, did his job. Harry Schoenberg took a while to get the pace of the game, but I thought second half started to warm to the task a bit. Riley O'Brien... Yep. Was Riley O'Brien uh, took a nice grab late? Uh, Jake Saligo uh, only had twelve disposals, but by God, it was a nice little twelve disposal game. He <laughs> um, just looks good when he when he gets it when he when he's when he starts getting it a bit more. Um, he's actually going to have an impact on the, on the game more so than he does already. But every time he he gets around the ball, he just looks composed and. Polished, in my opinion. And just one thing going back back on Harry, I noticed that after half time, um, he was getting more of the ball, but he was actually hitting targets now. Yeah, he's he seemed to have his disposal back, and that's what was missing earlier in the season. Like he's still getting the ball, and he'd, he'd come running out, and then Christ only knows where the ball went after that. But this time, he, this time he seemed to be actually hitting hitting targets, and um, and that's good to see. Hopefully he keeps his spot. Well, the good thing about Harry, he had nine tackles and five clearances, Um, but I think it might have been a fitness issue with Harry um, because he's, uh, I mean, he's eight kicks, five handballs, um, but he he just seemed to be more prepared to try and uh, break from congestion and, and... uh, you know, use the ball by foot a little bit more. Whereas before, uh, earlier on in the season, I just felt like he was stuck in congestion and, and handballing. Um, so I reckon it might have been a bit of a fitness issue for Harry. And now it's just a matter of him getting the pace of the game and getting his confidence back. Yeah. Uh, Tex was excellent. Uh, 12 uh, touches, 10 and 2. Uh, he had 7 marks, uh, 346 metres gained. Um, what else did he have? 4 inside 50s, 10 score involvements. Um, just a... Just... It's just it's so... Well, it's just so um, fortunate for our team that he is now back at at the level that he was, you know, four or five years ago um, because he was cooked. He was done. Mm. Um, well, you and, makes you wonder how, how many injuries was he playing through and therefore to be moving like he was 105 there, there for two years. It makes you think if we'd rested him for a block of four or five games, would he come? Would we have seen this text in the previous seasons? Because it seems to be a batch of years that went through there, where it was just a waste of waste of his time being out there. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I know, why he was we carrying keep it. On selecting people that are injured is well, because I think 
I think there are certain players that demand selection at Adelaide. Um, Rory Sloan, uh, Tex Walker. I think um, Matt Crouch for a long time was one of those. I think back in the day, Scotty Thompson was one of those. I think we have an issue with managing senior players. Um, I, kn- I know for a fact that Tex was carrying a foot and carrying a hip uh, injury um, at the very least. Um, he was also having uh, some problems with his knee that he did. Um, you know, but he wanted he refused to to not play, and our coaching staff uh, didn't have the agates to say, "Well, no, we're going to give you a rest." Mm. I think it's a real yeah. problem at Adelaide. We we don't the tail wags the dog when it comes to the senior players yeah. at times, and that's where um, that group of our uh, grand final group of players needed to be broken up. Um, yeah, and you know, I much as I, I like Sloan, um, I still put a lot of our know, defeat at that grand final at Sloan's feet because you had someone who's played three games that tagged him out of the game completely. He might as well not even been on the field. Yep, and I thought that was one of the poorest efforts I've ever seen from. From someone in the leadership group, some of his experience, everyone was back ragging on Tex, but no, I think it was our midfield problem, and a lot of that was down to Sloan. Well, look, I'll maintain that Sloan was always Robin to Dangerfield's Batman, and uh, the moment Dangerfield left the building um, and Sloaney had to step up, it was shown. And let's not forget that Sloaney was a was a what was he, a late second or early third round pick. You know, he was never... Yeah, he was never classes elite. Um, and he certainly made the best of his uh, skills. When we had Dangerfield at the coalface, it allowed Sloane to get outside. And you remember some of the gut-running runs that you used to get from Sloane down down a flank and, you know, big, long goals from 50 sort of thing. Um, but as soon as he lost the yard of pace and was playing more inside, it just became ineffective and... Uh, and unfortunately, that un- because he was part of that Batman and Robin scenario, it, I think it would be a bit like if you uh, had, say, Andrew McLeod and Tyson Edwards in the same team and then McLeod retired or nicked off and you then tried to build your midfield around Tyson Edwards. And this is no disrespect to Tyson, uh, but I think it's the same sort of thing that Tyson Edwards without, you know, Goobin, McLeod and... Rashido wasn't as good a player, uh, and I think the same yeah. can be said about Sloan. That without Danger Dangerfield around, um, he just wasn't as good a player. Yeah, it was some of the parts. Yeah. Anyway, um, Miller. Now, I struggled at times to work out where Miller was playing. Where do you reckon he was playing? Well, he played up forward, but I can't tell you where, what position. Um, I don't think he knew. <laughs> I don't think he's a forward. I just don't think he's a forward. I don't think he's a midfielder. I don't think he's a forward. I think he's half-back. And we should stop stuffing that around and play him where he belongs. Yeah, I agree. I think that's... that's um... I mean, I think the club was seduced by his form at SANFL level 
pre his draft and particularly one or two games just prior to the draft where he really had a purple patch um, and looked like a bit of a wizard with a ball. But um, he's only a halfback flanker. He, he's, Miller is only good running at the ball, in my opinion. If you get Miller running away from goals and having to, to take the ball and turn or give, you're actually robbing yourself of his main weapon, which is a, his ability to get through traffic and deliver by foot. And the best way to get him to, to make the most of his his strengths is to have him running off half-back. Totally agree with you. Well, disposal-wise, um, speed and probably intelligence of the game, if you swap Miller with Dawson, would you lose much God, in no. the back line? Well, you'd lose an intercept marker and you'd probably lose yeah, a little got, bit. Yeah, we've got two of them. With, with, you've yeah. got two of yeah, them we do. With, with Hinge and... Um, do they? Yeah, you know, do they. Yep, agreed, 100%. Uh, you'd probably lose a little bit of defensive pressure because Geordie is probably a little bit underrated defensively uh, at ground level. But you certainly, I don't think you'd... Oh, the other thing you'd probably lose, Miller will tend to chip your 25 to 30 metre pass, whereas Geordie will hit up Correct. a 45 metre pass. Yeah. So it would no, take I a little... Do, right? It would you, be a change. You say about the Geordie... Jordy being underrated in defence. I don't underrate his defence. He's he's a good defender and he can lay one hell of a tackle. Mm. Yep. Uh, Sammy Berry was a little bit quiet today, but he still had bloody 13 tackles. Um, he won't die wondering Sam Berry defensively. I think he's still leading the league for average um, pressure acts, uh, which is a fantastic effort for a third-year player. Um Geordie Butts did what he had to do. Very solid and reliable as always. Ned McHenry, uh, only nine touches, just not enough, and I think it's time. Um, Ned, uh, or we tried someone else in that role. Nick Murray, um, was fun to see him in the ruck and around the ball and did a couple of things. Um, Jamie McAdam. Um, Shane's almost gone back to front, and I'm talking before his injury. Like So he used to be like all all offence and no defence and all going for the specky and nothing much else. And now he's very much a bit of a defensive machine up forward. But we see, seem to have lost a little bit from him offensively. I don't know. Well, I, I think he was actually about ready to fly when he did his ankle. Yeah, well, he, he was. was, he was I think he was yeah. about ready to go for a, for a fly. Yeah. Um, I'm, loving, I'm loving what we're getting out of him at the moment. Like, yeah. he's... Um, I thought he was a one-trick pony, but he's proving me wrong on that because he's, you know, he, you're right, he is giving us a lot of defence, but he's, you know, I think this is the only game he hasn't kicked two or three goals for, a, for the last for a three or four. Yeah. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's kicking goals, he's laying tackles, he's putting pressure on. Um, he's one of the, you know, he's doing the one that has improved this year in a way that I didn't think he could. No, I must admit it left field for mine. He was kind of the forgotten man and all of a sudden he was selected and I thought, well, what's all this about? Um, but really, um, you know, last chance saloon for Shane, really, it was this season. Um, maybe he's also benefited a bit from Darren Burgess being around the place and getting him a little bit fitter and able to give us second and third efforts um, 
because uh, his defensive work certainly improved. Uh, Chase Jones, when he came on, certainly uh, decent, got seven touches. Um, Paddy Parnell um, was pretty quiet, seven touches, didn't do a hell of a lot. Will Hamill, um, again, flashy before he knocked himself out. And, you know, for Joshua Shelley to only have six touches for the game, I'm... Yeah, I'm two minds. Do you keep him in? Just keep him in and let him keep playing? Yeah, yeah, keep him in. you got to play him. You know, the quicker we can get him to 50, 50 games, the, the better it is going to be for the side. Um, keep him in, and as you said, like maybe, you know, when the game is... Um, yeah, when we can, and opportunities we can, give him a couple of set of bounces just to try and put a smile back on his face. But I think he's he's lost a bit of confidence in himself. Um, that's just something he has to fight through. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think you keep him in. I don't think there's much to be gained from him playing in the tooth. Um, the only time I think I'd rest him is if he was carrying a niggle. Now, Mick. Yeah, exactly. Now, Mick, because yeah. uh, because you're the uh, standing and doing a mighty fine job, I might add, and uh, I'm sure everyone in the studio audience and uh, the broader Discord community and YouTube would agree. So, uh, thanks again. I much appreciate your efforts today. You get to uh, be macker when it comes to. Please don't be Nikki. Be macker when it comes to uh, giving some votes, mate. I thought it was Nikki. I'd pick up Parnell and. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so let's be Macca and uh, give us your five to one. Well, I think Laird would have to be five, in my opinion. Yep. Um, followed very closely by Dawson. Yeah. Um, Tex. Yeah, Fogarty's got to be in there. He had he had a a really a really good game from Fog. I'm really really happy um, with his game. And while it wasn't an outstanding game from him, I think I'll throw one for one point toward one vote towards the Lego. Um, just the way he's improving and giving it a crack, game after game after game. I'm really enjoying seeing the the kid come along. Yep, agreed. Uh, for mine, uh, Laird, I think, um, just over Walker, <clears throat> who I thought was dominant um, today. Uh, Fogarty, a very good three. Um, Geordie, a two. Only because I think that it's easy for Geordie back there. I think he'd be loving life back there. Um, just scraping up the mess. Uh, who do I want to give one to? Jeez, who do I want to give one to? We only had That's one, two, three, around. four. That's why I was looking around. That's why I went with Saligo because I liked his game. I didn't know to give one to. You know, interesting stat. We only had seven players that had over ten kicks for the game. That's yeah, surprising. Yeah. Fogarty and, and Walker, two up forward, had 14 and 10. And then apart from that, we only had Smith with 14, Haightley with 11, Dawson with 23, Keys with 17, and Laird with 13. Is that some kind of... That's, that's, that amazes me, actually. 
Um, who am I going to give one to? Rowe played pretty well too, I suppose. I mean, you can't deny. I was thinking about. I was thinking about Rowe. Two goals. I think I'll give mine to Rowe simply because you gave yours to Saligo, and they're probably the two that I was uh, fearing. So I'll, uh, we even even out there. Um, now yeah. before before this week, uh, Dawson miles in front on the podcasters thing, and also even more miles in front on the listeners uh, list. Uh, Walker making a bit of a run um, with some good form, but uh, at the moment it looks like Geordie's prize to lose. Um, next week we got Melbourne made. Any any show whatsoever? Uh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get out on the ground and we'll play a game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to be going, uh, going to repeating last year's um, Oh, that's for sure. Um, no, I don't think so. I think I don't think they're going to smash us. Um, they were yeah, awesome against Brisbane. Either. After quarter time, they were powerful. They were yeah. powerful against Brisbane. They really, really, really oh. made a statement. I get to watch a lot of different games of football because, um, as I said, I've got you know two brother-in-laws that go for. The uh, north and and uh, one's a cat and a nephew that goes for St Kilda and I've got a, a, a son-in-law that goes for Brisbane so yeah, right. I get to watch a lot of names and um, you know I've rated Brisbane but Jesus they gave them a flogging they certainly did and if that's if Brisbane are the best of the rest then uh, they got some problems now Nikki isn't mm. here. Nikki isn't here, but I I have got a, a brief cop wumble, and I'll tell you what, the reason why I'm saying this is because it just really frustrates me whenever I hear about this. So let me just set this up a little bit. Um, so... Apart from the umpiring, which I thought, again, was ridiculous across many games over the weekend. That's a standard this year. It's it's horrific. It really is. Um, Mm -hmm. Let me just see if I can put this on real quick. Now, Anthony Hudson said this during the cast, and I think he said about a Brody... Smith kick and a lot of commentators say it and it really 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 pisses me off I don't know it's one of those things that you know how some things just really piss you off <laughs> yeah yeah it was one I've of those got things. one after you, you you've well got, you go you first because I'm you go first it's all the people that are saying um, and there's a few in the chat saying it as well about sacking Nick's now, Crows have gone down this line before, changing coaches every two or three years. And look where it got us. Nowhere. All the, the sides of late that have won premierships have had their side for, three, for five, six, seven, eight years to build the player group that they want, to get their game plan through. We can't, yeah, we've got to give Nick's at least four years. 
I think, think probably longer to try and get the group. The, the, the whole competition is not so simple as just throw out a coach and get a new coach and we're going to, we're going to go forward. It's not like that anymore. It just really grinds my years that everyone's saying, sack, you know, I hear people say, sack, nick, sack, nick. It wouldn't matter who you got coaching at the moment. With the amount of experience that we've got, we're not going to be in the eight. We're not going to be winning the premiership next season. Like, give the bloke time to develop the side. Um, That's my gripe. I don't disagree with that. Um, Mick, the only thing that I would say is that I'm a little bit concerned about his tactical nous. Uh, I hear that too, but you look at the outside and talk a real good think about it. Look at the amount of, amount of players we've got out there uh, under 50 games. Agreed. So if it's the end of next season and we haven't got a more... Uh, we can't see more tactics and we can't see a more um, refined game plan coming along, yeah, then I'll start criticising. But this season, I think it's a little bit, we can see a bit more of a game plan than last season. And give it another season. No one seems to come in and have a whole new game plan especially with a group as young as ours and inexperienced as ours and have it all clicking within one or two years. You just don't see it. So I reckon it'd be by the end of next season if we haven't got you know, a better, more defined idea of tactics and better, you know, more defined idea of game plan, well, then maybe start complaining. But not this year. Yeah, I'm happy to keep him going through at this stage. I do have a query about his his, his ability to, to um, coach a premiership winning team. But let's not forget, we chose a rookie coach. So I think you've got to also exactly. remember that the guy's got to develop a little bit himself. The question, I guess, is uh, does he have enough experience around him? Uh, Scotty Burns has been in the caper for quite a while. Um you know, so there's a as a senior assistant, um, there's a bit of experience. You wonder whether it needed James someone. James Rohilly is pretty experienced as well. Yeah. Um, so you know whether they need to have um, someone with him, like we used to have with Bales. I'm not quite sure, um, but I, I, I'm prepared to give him a little bit more time. Absolutely. I'd like to get our hands on the Giants coach and and turn him into a. Uh... Yeah. Either the midfield coach or, or you know, the, someone between Nicks and the, and the line coaches. Um, uh, just a little bit to... more. I just don't, don't throw the players around like he was, but just uh, maybe, you know, have come up with a few left, left field ideas every now and again instead of just uh, constantly going down the line. Someone that can be sitting there and come out with a few um, out-of-the-box ideas because he was definitely out-of-the-box, that one. Mate, you're going really well tonight until, until that. Until I said about <laughs> him. <laughs> I don't want Leon Cameron anywhere near Adelaide. We've got enough problems without having Leon bloody Cameron in our <laughs> club. <laughs> That's just my opinion. But I'm just thinking, I didn't rate him as a senior coach. But yeah. um, he was highly rated the, as that. Yeah. Yeah. He 
he just decided that oh yeah, you're a you know he probably he would be the wrong fit for Adelaide because you know he go look at the midfielder and go yeah you're going to be a, a forward or something just like Adelaide does. So yeah, maybe yeah. You scratch that idea. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. Now mine is a little bit less uh, football related than that. Um, how many times have you seen a player kick the ball from the inside of their foot, like miss kick it from the inside of their foot, Mick? And the commentator says kicked it off his instep. Mm-hmm. Now look, those who are watching, your instep is actually where you're supposed to kick the ball from, because your instep is the top of the foot, between the toes and the and the bottom of your leg. Your instep is the flat part on top of your foot. The inside of your foot, between your ankle and your big toe, is not called the bloody instep. And Anthony Hudson and Brian Taylor and every other bloody idiot AFL commentator that says, oh, he kicked it off his instep. No, he bloody didn't because he's supposed to kick it off his instep, for God's sake. And it drives me crazy. And he said it again today, and I just thought I'd point it out. (laughs) My two most hated callers of the game is going to be Brian Taylor and bloody Derm. You know, you listen to those two, you feel like they're giving yourself a lobotomy. See, I don't mind Derm, except I feel like he thinks he he always needs to talk. I think Derm's actually quite smart from a football point of view. But if he if he's, he's commentating a Victorian side, yes. But as soon as he gets anywhere near a Crow side, he's got no idea about our players. Tries to make out he does, and it's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he doesn't know when to shut up. But like he he would analyse two blades of grass if he if he felt he had to, um, but at least at least he tries to explain what's going on. I'd much rather a bloke he tries than a bloke that just fluffs around like Brian Taylor, and it's all about his ego. Um, yeah. You know, um, no, I can't stand right cannot stand him. <laughs> just one more thing before I'll probably leave you go in peace. Thank you, mate. Um, I do you know, see people saying about uh, Paddy Parnell in the chat too. I need to put on some weight, which he probably does, but I'd rather him and Brown at the moment. I don't think we're losing that much. And, um, yeah, I think he's he's, our, he's going to be a player of the future. I, I really like little Paddy. I, I just don't think you'd you give the kid a couple of games and get rid of him. Uh, Luke Brown's done no. nothing to warrant being straight back in. I'd like to see a, um, a rich vein of form f- from Luke Brown before he got back into the A's because as an experienced player um, uh, should be required to, to deliver that. And Luke Brown's done nothing this year in the ones to warrant automatic reselection. So no. I'm quite happy with Parnell. And I'm like- quite happy with Jones. Oh. Yeah. I like Paddy's delivery. Like I think he he's still at the moment he's still a bit rushed with some of his his, his kicks, but um, I think he thinks he's under more pressure than what he is at some times. Yeah. But once he gets you know another three or four, you know, yeah, we've got to give him the. I, I think we give him the rest of this year, and yeah. I think you'll see improvement as he goes of you know his um, kicking skills because that's what he's known for, 
Yeah. And like we might have our have our own. Um, I'm trying to think of like now from from Western Bulldogs. Caleb um, Daniel. And Caleb Daniel, yeah. And um, you know, he he's not that big, but he does a bloody good job back there. Yep. Um, it's a big call. He's got a long way to go to be Caleb Daniel, um, but certainly the. Between him and Jones, I think we we have a combination that uh, could work very well for us in terms of that mid to small defender. Uh, people saying if Hamill's out, does uh, Brown come back? No, I think Jones just stays in the side. I don't think there's any reason why you would leave Jones out again um, and put Brown in. I think Jones came in for Hamill. I think he did a very good job and he stays in as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree 100% on that one. All right, mate. Well, look, I very, very much appreciate you coming on. Um, it would have been a very boring podcast uh, with, without someone to discuss the footy with, so much appreciated. I'm sure everyone who's listening on Discord and on YouTube um, feels the same way. So um, you're a legend, mate. Much appreciated. All good. Thank you. And to everyone, uh, don't forget, if you want to support Crowcast, you can go to uh, patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. We appreciate everyone who supports us on that platform. We appreciate everyone who's joined us tonight, both in the uh, live studio, on Discord chat, and also on YouTube chat. Thanks very much. Um, uh, Next week's Melbourne. Don't forget, this week we have a home ground ticket giveaway. Uh, so if you want tickets to the game against the D's on the weekend, uh, please pop your name in the tickets channel on our Discord server. If you're listening on demand, uh, just go into and you're not a member, just go into our Discord channel using the uh, link that's in the description on the YouTube um, uh, under the YouTube video and uh, join up. Put your name in the tickets channel, and we will draw that on Friday. When's the game? Uh, When's the game? When's the game? I should know this, but clearly I don't. Game is on uh, Saturday. So we'll draw it on, to give people enough time, we'll actually draw it on Thursday night this week. Um, so uh, to give people enough time to uh, get themselves organised so get your name in the tickets channel before uh, let's say 5pm on Thursday uh, and I will draw it um, sometime Thursday evening and um, prom- and uh, publish the results on Discord and also on Twitter and Facebook uh, for those who are on those platforms in the meantime thanks Mick you're a legend thanks everyone for listening Uh, We'll see you next week. Take care and we'll see you later.